Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome to the first episode of Season 2 of the Disney Movie Marathon. Today's episode is the second episode in our series looking at the different eras in Disney animation history. Last time, back at the beginning of Season 1, we talked about the golden age of Disney and the five films that came before World War II shook up everything at Walt Disney Studios. This time we're talking about the period of time that was directly influenced by the war and the films that came out during and after World War II. This era is usually called the War Era, or the Wartime Era, or the Package Film Era, as all of these films were cobbled together from a variety of short films made around the time of the war into one long feature. As before, my friends Eli Sanza and Mark Brown are joining me to talk about this time in these films. The Wartime Era took place over a span of seven years, from 1943 to 1949, one year longer than the Golden Age, and one more film than the Golden Age, with six movies coming out during this time. There were other releases from the studio during these years, as Disney was branching out into live-action features, but this episode is primarily focused on the six films included in the Disney animated canon, Saludos Amigos, The Three Caballeros, Make My Music, Fun and Fancy Free, Melody Time, and The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Each of these movies, as well as the other movies that Disney released during this time, will get their own individual episodes as well, but today we're doing an overview of the six official canon films, as well as a few of the other releases during that period, including Victory Through Air Power, Song of the South, and So Dear to My Heart. Okay, I think that's all I've got for you now. Let's just jump right into things with Mark and Eli. I guess before we start talking about individual movies, do you guys have any general thoughts on this era as a whole? You, you, you know what? I would summarize it by saying that, uh, you know, when Snow White was the huge success that it was in 1938, it, it was so successful that Walt had a lot of money and he had a lot of creative freedom to do, okay, I'm going to make... Bambi now that Snow White was popular and I'm also going to make Pinocchio and I'm also going to make Fantasia and he was like making all these creative movies and unfortunately Snow White was the only one that really made like a huge amount of money because it came out right before World War II and World War II we all know cut off a lot of the European markets because people weren't going to the movies there during World War II. So, mm-hmm. so the early 40s had a lot of creative movies, but it really went downhill after Bambi came out in 1942 because then they didn't have any more money to make movies because the European market was cut off. So like all the movies that came out in the 40s after Bambi were, in my opinion, not, well, they weren't is on the level of Bambi and Snow White and Pinocchio and Fantasia and Dumbo. They were, compared to most Disney masterpieces, they were very mediocre, and mm-hmm. which was unfortunate, which was unfortunate, but a lot of gems were in the 40s in the package features and the war era movies too. So they weren't entirely bad. There were some movies I really liked actually. So it wasn't a, uh, great era but it wasn't a terrible era yeah that's that's probably about my my general thoughts too it's it it had moments but on the whole it's kind of mediocre yeah exactly in the end i think it's better than the uh directivity of disney (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's that's very true (laughs) yeah 
Oh my God. A lot of movies were. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to remember as well um, that during the war, the United States government had contracts with Disney and the other animation studios to create cartoons, propaganda cartoons and cartoons for the war effort, and as well as like training, training videos and stuff like that. So with a lot of their, you know, workforce dedicated to that, in the end, because of money as well, you know, they had to put out like six, uh, you know, package films. So I think that's also something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Disney and Warner Brothers were probably two of the biggest animation studios in the 40s, and they were both making war propaganda in that decade. Yeah, it's interesting to go back and watch some of that stuff now. Oh, yeah. Their Fuhrer's fear, their face. <laughs> yeah, their Fuhrer's face, yeah. That is a weird one. You didn't see any of these things on TV when you were a kid, too, so Oops. they were surreal <laughs> to watch. I would argue even the Warner Brothers stuff was pretty, uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty out there. Yo, that the Warner Brothers made some risque stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Like when they, when they were aiming at soldiers during war and not aiming at general audiences, they they pushed the limit a little bit. Well, I suppose we can start talking about the individual films. We start with Saludos Amigos. And this one was made as part of like a goodwill tour for the U.S. government. And this one I feel like is really underrated. Like a lot of people don't even like this one, but I, I, I enjoy this one just because it's just kind of a window into other cultures, even though it's not, it's fictionalized, of course, but it's really interesting to see the various cultures down there through the eyes of the Disney animators and how they viewed the different cultures and how they wanted to reach out to them. I just think it's a really interesting little movie. Very short. It's like the shortest of all the Disney features. It's only like 45 minutes, I think, but I enjoy it. I think it's underrated. Yeah, it is the shortest. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time. So I, I really don't remember much to say if I liked it or not, or think it's underrated or not, but I do think I liked it more than Three Caballeros. Hmm, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Ludos Amigos, it's not a bad film. I'm not saying it's a bad film. It's like my favorite segments in Saludos Amigos are the ones where Goofy is learning how to be a gaucho, which mm-hmm. was sort of like a take on the how to ride a horse cartoon, which was also like had they actually borrowed some of the gags from like his like how to ride a horse cartoon and use this for this. And mm-hmm. the one at the end where Donald meets the parrot, Jose Carioca. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, those, those two are my favorites. The others were sort of like unmemorable for me. And and but uh, but you're asking me what the my opinion on the film is as a whole. It's 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 fine. It's it it very much feels like a travelogue, and mm-hmm. it's and it, yeah, it doesn't hide that. It is a travelogue, and it's like they even mention the Disney animators in the movies, and when they're like using their artistic skills to interpret South America. Mm-hmm. and stuff like that but yeah it's like it's okay it's okay it's it's unlike mark i like the caballeros better than who doesn't but i still thought it was a it was an okay movie yeah i think 
for me, it's not really the entertainment aspect of it. It's just, it's an interesting piece of history to watch. And that's why I think it's underrated. That's why I like watching it, just because of the historical aspect of it. Oh, yeah. If you're a Disney fan, then it's, it's, it's a fascinating movie. It's probably the least famous of the official canon, I would say. Probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> of the 60 films, I think it's the one that the fewest people have seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I think the, they, they released Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros together in one DVD set, but I don't know if they ever released Saludos Amigos alone. I think they did on VHS, if I'm not mistaken, but not, I don't know about DVD. Oh, okay. Maybe on the, yeah, on the VHS might be a blind spot for me, but yeah, mm-hmm. so that might happen. But I, I'm pretty sure that on DVD it never happens. Well, there's probably some random Betamax <laughs> tape somewhere <laughs> with it. I'm sure. It some laser disc that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they got all kinds of random movies from the past on Betamax and laser discs. So I'm, I bet. I think the short that I remember the most was Pedro, the one about the uh, mail carrier plane. And mm. if I remember correctly, he's trying to deliver the mail to like impress his dad plane or something like that. And then there's the, the big Mount Aconcagua is portrayed as a villain. <laughs> and he has to like, go deliver the mail with, and with that foreboding mountain is the bad guy. That's the, that's the answer to me. <laughs> I remember that one. I also remember something about a Donald Duck and a llama. Was that was that in this movie? Yes. I remember some like Donald Duck llama gags too. So. Yeah, that one. I don't remember what the segment was called, but I think it's it's Lake Titicaca. Yeah, that's what it was. Lake Titicaca. Wait, he's in Peru, I believe. Right. Yeah, if you like Goofy and Donald Duck cartoons, it's actually not a bad movie. And Disney history. That's the main thing I like about it. Yeah, that's definitely the the most fascinating thing about it to me is the Disney history. Definitely. From there, we go on to The Three Caballeros, which is, in a way, sort of a sequel to Saludos Amigos, but it's its own thing, too. It's more cartoon adventures in South America. This one has a little bit more of a narrative thread, but a very loose one. It's... Donald's birthday and then it's just following him as he gets presents and visits all these different countries. And this one is another one that I think is a little bit underrated. I and this is probably me with nostalgia glasses because we actually had this on VHS when we were kids. So it got watched more than some other more famous Disney movies for us. So uh. that's probably partly why I really like the Three Caballeros. It's really interesting to watch now just from an animation standpoint because there's so many weird choices that they make that <laughs> I really like. The, just just different like trippy visuals and it's like they're really experimenting with things and I really like that about it. It it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense <laughs> as a story, but I still enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, in the end it's still a, a package film trying to hold itself together as a narrative. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Basically a package film. Exactly. I think I like Salute Amigos better, but this one, I remember the, the Three Caballeros song. That's pretty, it's a pretty good song. I like that song. And, um... Great song. Great song. Cold-Blooded Penguin. I remember that segment that stands out. But then, the, mm-hmm. what stands out the most for me is the last third of the movie, which is just Donald Duck chasing girls. 
which is pretty much the whole last third of that movie. Yeah, that that whole segment it got really bizarre. It was like, <laughs> why are they doing this? But at the same time, even though there was a whole bunch of stuff that was like, really, it was still the most creative in terms of just like experimental animation. So I I couldn't totally hate on the whole thing, even though watching it as adult as an adult, I was catching things. I was like, why did they? go in this very strange direction with this <laughs> but i still really yeah, like all like all the cactuses mm-hmm. and like the flying through the the stars and I, I really like watching that just it's so cool looking i think for me mostly it's i think it go, it feels like filler because it goes on for like very kinda, long <laughs> kind of yeah yeah filler is probably a good way to put it but it's experimental filler so even though it might be filler time-wise, it's still weird and interesting, and I like watching it. Experimental filler, like a <laughs> new flavor of Oreos. <laughs> I don't know that I'd want to try Oreos that said experimental filler on the package. <laughs> <laughs> And I, 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 all the things you're saying about it, the reason why I love this movie so much, like it's very, it's very out there. It's very zany, especially it sort of throws you off because at the beginning, it seems like a standard, oh, it's Donald Duck's birthday. We're watching a bunch of like animated shorts and like, and, and it's sort of, like you say, it's sort of like a sequel to Sudos Amigos because we either see the return of Jose Carioca, but we see the introduction of the Mexican rooster, Panchito. And that's when he, when the rooster comes, that's when it starts getting uh, really crazy and wild. And, uh, and there's a lot of zany choices they make, especially from Ward Kimball. This is like a Ward Kimball masterpiece. Like he is responsible for a lot of the animation. He was responsible for the three Caballero song sequence. And he like had a lot of creative uh, choices. A lot of, uh, what's the word? He got a lot of, uh, Creative freedom? Yes, yes. He had a lot of creative freedom uh, when making the movie. And then uh, <laughs> creative liberty. Yeah, one of those words. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm distracted by like how <laughs> funny the and wild the movie is. Uh, I'm just, even now thinking about it, it, it sort of it makes me laugh. Just thinking about you know, the scenes where Panchito is like singing at the end of the Three Caballero song, he holds his line for like mm, yeah. a really long time. <laughs> a really long time. Jonathan, you remember this because you watched the movie so much as a kid, but yeah, like then Donald and Jose are trying to like snap him out of it. Uh-huh. It's like, and it goes on for a really long time and it's like, it feels like a Looney Tunes level crazy. Yeah, it's just like rapid animation. It's really impressive. Yeah, the end the end really gets wild. Like it doesn't it doesn't even have a proper ending. It's just like things go insane and exploding and then all of a sudden it's done. Yeah. You're right. You're right. It's like it, you're right about the plot. It, the, the plot melts. It just completely <laughs> goes away. It goes it's like there is no story at the end of the movie. They just they just go completely wild. It doesn't even make any sense. It's like it's like up there with like uh Fantasia and Alice in Wonderland a little bit with how trippy this movie gets. It's, little, it's up there with those. Mm, yeah, I could see that. 
Maybe that's why I enjoy it, because I really like Alice Wonderland and Fantasia. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. One thing I find interesting is, this is m- another movie in the canon, I think, is... It's not a, not that Silver Shining does, but I still think fewer fewer people have seen it than those who have seen it. Few, fewer people fewer people have seen it than those who haven't seen it. But um, for a movie like that, the characters are pretty popular because Jose Carioca and Panchito and Donald, as the three caballeros, they they have their own ride at Epcot. They appeared in you know Disney's House of Mouse. They have their own um, spin-off TV show that came out a couple of years ago. They appeared in an episode of the new DuckTales, I think. For, for a movie that is not very well known, the characters sure have, you know, lived on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. Like, they, uh, they, you see them a lot. Like, I saw them a lot when I was a kid. Like, I didn't own the movie, but I had the sing-along song videos, and that song was on the one I had. So I grew up with knowing who they were and they are kind of popular it's a little bit like it's a little bit like how splash mountain was popular even though nobody ever watched song of the south it's a little bit like that hmm. <laughs> i guess in their defense they didn't really have a copy of song of the south to watch <laughs> oh yeah that's a whole other issue like with song of the south but yeah no i see what you're saying though well, from there, we can move on to the core four, because we have the South American trip, and then we've got the ones that were made out of all the leftovers. <laughs> the first one of these is Make Mine Music, and I always have to look at the list of what's in these films to remember which is which. Yeah, I am. But in looking at Make Mine Music... I could tell that this one is my probably my least favorite of all of these. It has some good things, but it has a lot of boring things. <laughs> and it's not as memorable as the others. And apparently it's also the most controversial because it also has a segment that is currently not available to watch anywhere. <laughs> They didn't even put it on the Blu-ray, which I was annoyed about. Like, I don't even like this segment. It's the Martins and the Coys. It's the with the hillbillies. I don't even like this segment. It's like the worst one. But the fact that they cut it out annoys me. <laughs> like, they're selling the, the, the new Blu-rays, the Disney Movie Club exclusives. And I was going to buy them until I found out that they'd cut this segment from it. Which doesn't make sense, yeah. because like I said, I don't even like this segment. It's the worst one. But I don't like no, that they no. cut it out. <laughs> no, I, I totally relate to this because I I always get mad when they cut things out, like or like they censor like classic films or stuff like that. And, they, and a lot of the times, those aren't even my favorite movies. But I still just the idea of censoring things just makes me mad because it's like I am a, I'm a film historian, so I am very pro saving films. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with you, Jonathan, pretty much everything you said, but this is actually one of my favorites of this, uh, oh. of, of this, um, yeah, of this set. It's probably my second favorite after Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Like, uh, yes, a lot of them, a lot of the segments are boring, but the ones that are good, I really like. I really love Casey at the Bat. I really love Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet. Like, to me, that's, that's my favorite Disney love song of all time. 
Mm. I really love the Wheel of the Moot. The Martins and the, uh, and the McCoys. I have the I have this on VHS, and I think it's on the VHS, but I could be wrong. I haven't watched it in a while. But yeah, I love I love those three um, segments, especially um, Casey the Bat with Jerry Colon as the narrator. I think it's 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 a very wonderful poem that I like, and I think Disney brought it to life in a really good way with Jerry Colon's narration and. Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet, I love the how, you know, making the hats the title characters of this story. And I love the song, like I said, and the whale who sings with them. And I think it's just for one guy to do pretty much almost all those voices, if not all those voices, was like, oh, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah. I, I like this one a <laughs> lot. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Because, okay. Uh, Here's what I'll say if I make my music. I, I, I lean more towards Donathan. I, I don't really like it that much. It's like it, if if you don't include um, the war documentary that Disney made victory through air power, which I don't, um, make my music is probably my least favorite in that era. But I will say that one that Mark just said he liked, the whale who wanted to sing at the Met. Mm-hmm. That one was brilliant. I I loved that yeah. one. That was the only segment in the entire movie that I actually liked from beginning to end. I did think uh, all the cats join in, Casey at the bat, and uh, that one with the musical instruments that come to life. I thought I thought those ones had some creative parts. That they they were they were kind of entertaining, but mostly I agree with Jonathan. They mostly they were not that engaging to me like they mm-hmm. they felt yeah mediocre compared to like it felt like it was trying to be like the jazzy sort of modern version of fantasia because there wasn't any classical music there was jazz and stuff like that but yeah but it was yeah that's what it felt like it was trying to be but it it, it mostly just was above average for me interesting yeah yeah this is one i would call under it <laughs> oh yeah I know. I do know some people who really love that movie, so you're not alone. Yeah, for me, I would say the standout is probably the whale who wanted to sing at the Met, and yeah. I do like Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet. And I have nostalgia for Peter and the Wolf. I talked about this when I recorded the review with Sarah. I had Peter and the Wolf on a VHS, separate from this movie as a kid. Like there was a bunch of different musical things on a tape that we had, so uh-huh. I watched it a lot, and. I think watching it now, I would prefer it to be a piece without any narration. Sterling Holloway narrates it, and I like Sterling Holloway, but I feel like it would be better if it was just the animation and the music. But I think that's probably because I just really like Fantasia, and I wanted this to be more like Fantasia. Yeah, you know what? I, I I agree with you about that. Like, it's, and this is the only time that I thought that a Disney movie would have been better without narration. This is actually a recurring problem I have, but and it's going to be in some of the later movies we talk about. So I'll get to that later. But mm-hmm. you're you're right about Peter and the Wolf. Even though there's some good things about it, and like, but I mostly thought it was hey this could have been better it's gonna be a little bit better and i know that walt disney really wanted to make peter and the wolf and he like i think he even wanted it to be part of like a fantasia sequel at one point but like it ended up here instead mm, that would make sense if it was supposed to be for a fantasia sequel yeah 
because it was classical music. Mm-hmm. And Blue Bayou was originally for Fantasia as well, but it got cut. It was supposed to be Claire de Lune, and they put a new song on it to include it here. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like another result of the war years cutting off their funding, they couldn't make Fantasia anymore. Mm. I'm still hoping for another Fantasia someday. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. I, I hope they do. I hope they do. It's like it's. I, I wish they would. I almost think they're probably not going to because it's like uh, both Fantasia and Fantasia 2000 were were good movies, but they weren't great financially in the theater. Fantasia was really popular when it was released on VHS. When it was released in 1940, it didn't do that well. Although it did do really well on the, I should say, it did really well on the re-releases, like in the 60s and the 80s and stuff like that. But I, I don't know if they want to take that risk again because Fantasia 2000 also wasn't that big of a success. Yeah, I think those are hard movies to market to the average public. Yeah to go see to the, in, the, in, the, in the cinema. That's the thing. You're right about that. It's like, it's, it's, it's very highbrow and, and it's, and it's coming in a market where people are trying to sell you like stuff like Shrek and the Strickle Me. It's sort of like a weird <laughs> fit in that, in that market. So it's, it's a challenging thing to sell. Mm-hmm. I can see them making a new Fantasia, but then releasing it on Disney Plus. That I can see happening. That I wouldn't mind. I would still wish that it was in the theater, but if they made it for Disney Plus, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind just because I'd be happy to to get one at all. Yeah, I agree. If 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 that was the only place where they would release it, and they would refuse to release it in the theater, I'll I'll take it. Well, moving on from Make My Music, we get the first one that is just two shorts this one they've tried to tie together with a somewhat of a narrative thread even though there's all there's kind of like two narrative thread the the tying thing is mainly just the character of jiminy cricket going through this movie and this is fun and fancy free and it's the story of bongo and mickey and the beanstalk following jiminy cricket going through this house, I don't even remember why he's in this house, and eventually to a little girl's birthday party. Edgar Bergen. <laughs> where her only guest is a little boy <laughs> and an adult man with a, with some puppets. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> this is a very strange birthday party. <laughs> it is strange. It is strange. I will say, though, it it is very entertaining, his puppets anyways it's, mm. it's, it's weird but I still find them weirdly <laughs> funny especially mm. the, some of their commentary over the film it's it's amusing it's it, this one is oh, not yeah. it's not one that's my favorite but I do enjoy bits of it I, I will say that I think the thing that my least favorite part is the whole bongo thing like if it didn't have that I think this would be rated higher because I do I do kind of enjoy the Edgar Bergen and his puppets and of course Mickey and the Beanstalk is a classic but the Bongo one is boring and forgettable for me yeah the Bongo is the uh, definitely the worst part of the whole movie I haven't seen the whole movie in a long time but I this is not one of my favorites but um, I do like I, I am a big fan of Edgar Bergen and his um, Mortimer Snurd and Charlie McCarthy characters so I like seeing them I know I think he was actually personal friends with Walt Disney. I think, um, if I remember correctly from an interview by his daughter, Candace Bergen, 
mentioned that, so that might be why why he was actually able to get a role in this movie. I'm not sure, but um, uh, the making the meat stock segment I know is pretty popular because I think I saw that before I saw this movie because they used to. I don't know if I had that separately on a VHS or there's I, somehow I saw that short before I saw the entire movie, and it's you know it's a pretty popular Mickey Mouse short. And then Bongo is. Like you say, it's forgettable, and um, it gets a lot of flack for <laughs> the story of you know for bears to mate the the, the female the, bear. The so slap, with the slap, stayed with the slap, <laughs> yeah. which uh, is I won't lie, is a catchy tune. <laughs> I do find the tune catchy, um, but yeah, I, in in their defense, I don't I don't think any kid who was watching this back in the day was coming to the conclusion that you know if we're woman or or a man slaps you you know it's all great and they love you i think uh they knew that kids were uh, understood that this is the context of the bongo story of what for how weird it is it's written by up to us up to sinclair who wrote it i can't remember but yeah i think that's pretty much all i have on that yeah i i completely agree with both of you about the bongo segment the bongo segment was way too long, way too drawn out. There was there were way too many songs in that one. It was a simple story. Mm-hmm. It was a very very a, re- a really simple story, but it was prolonged I, needlessly. I think it just felt like it was trying to fill the time. It was like it was trying to. It couldn't be too short, so they just made it endless with these like song numbers and it wasn't that interesting a story and Bongo wasn't that interesting a character it was just it, yeah and I, I think I wrote in my review for that that it would have been better without Dinosaur's narration because the Disney animators are really good at pantomime character animation so it was, they told the story effectively without the narration the narration wasn't needed uh, so that didn't help. And uh, same, same a little bit with Mickey and the Beanstalk because I there were some funny moments with Edgar Bergen uh, commenting on Mickey and the Beanstalk that I did laugh at. Most of the time, I, however, I felt his narration was sort of intruding on it just for the same reason mm-hmm. that I didn't like the narration in Bongo. It just felt like the story worked without that. And I also agree that Mickey and the Beanstalk was the better segment, and it was, and it was actually a little. Bit, it was way better paced. It was a lot funnier. It was uh, the 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 part where Mickey, Donald, and Goofy are asleep while the Beanstalk is growing. That is a really hilarious and well animated segment with a lot of good comic timing. Like that part, I really loved. And like, and there are a lot of other things like Donald Duck trying to kill that cow. And there's a lot of really (laughs) a lot of yeah. There's a lot of hilarious comedy in this one. So I overall, the movie gets a mixed rating for me. Yeah, that's kind of how it is with most of these a mixed rating. Yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, that's pretty much the sub the subtitle of this era, the war era, the wars era mixed ratings. Yeah, yeah. But I guess the only I don't know if it's a good thing, but the only interesting thing about this is this will be the only Disney Jack and the Beanstalk adaptation we'll have ever since they they canceled the uh, gigantic movie that they were supposed to be working on a few uh... years ago. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. I don't know if this is foolish, but I'm still holding out a tiny bit of hope that someone will resurrect it someday. Because apparently the thing was like really far along in development. 
yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I I don't know why they canceled it. Something must have something must have not have been working, I guess, with the story or something. But like, I I hope they I hope they do it again because it's like I it definitely got potential. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. We 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 three will be the first ones in line to see a different concert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, from Fun and Fancy Free, we go to the other one that I get mixed up with Make Mine Music. It's Melody Time. <laughs> yeah. The little brother of Make Mine Music. I think this one probably is my favorite of the two. It, it's what it, it's actually probably near the top of most of these. because mm-hmm. par, Partly because I have a little bit of nostalgia for at least Johnny Appleseed, because that one was another one that we had on a tape. It might have been the same tape as the Peter and the Wolf. I'm not 100% sure. So I saw that a lot as a kid. And then I really like some of the choices that they made. Like, a lot of people hate the what the trees one. And it is slow, but I really like the animation in that. And I really like... Like, if you read about how they made this one, they, like, made they animated frames using pastels like directly onto the cells and it's just it's so it's such a cool looking short that i i really like that about it i know yeah it's kind of slow but <laughs> i mean it's a po- it's a poem <laughs> recitation so that's kind of what you're going to get with the poem recitation i just think it's cool looking yeah. and then i love blame it on the samba another <clears throat> bit of the results of the trip down to south america i that one probably is my favorite and ethel smith who plays the organ she's amazing i love that that's probably my favorite of the whole movie but then i also really like bumble boogie which is another one that i think might have been cut Mm. from fantasia but it probably would have been closer to something more classical if it was in fantasia this is a much more jazzy version of flight of the bumblebee but I really like that short. Overall, I think this one holds up better than Make My Music for Me, even though uh, most people, it seems like Pecos Bill is like a favorite, and it's my least favorite. I don't, I don't like that short. It's like uh, the, the the movie was going so well, and then it hits Pecos Bill. It's like, wah, wah. It's like it, it ends on a sour note for me. I just, I don't like it. Well, for me, as you could probably guess, it's the uh, <laughs> it's the opposite. Since, since I like make make my music, I don't like this one. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, guys. But um, yeah, this one I I think is the worst, the least, the worst of the two, and probably near near the bottom of these um this era. Um, there's only like six segments, I think, and none of them I really like I'm not, I don't love Johnny Appleseed or Pico Spell I think they go on a bit too long and they're okay but I, I, I know I, I don't get in, into them enough and a little too distant bad but I mean it, I also didn't get into that as much and I didn't like it you know. I, I actually agree with Jonathan Melody Time Melody Time is probably it's near the top of my favorites of these movies in this era it's like it's like I think there I think there were like you're know, at six or seven segments like all of them were pretty entertaining to me actually and so I actually really liked uh, Once Upon a Winter Time I like Blame It on the Samba you know that person who, that human who was in Blame It on the Samba she was she was a really good cartoon 
actor, like he looked like he was really seeing mm-hmm. Donald Duck in front of her. He was good. And still playing the organ as it like flew apart. Yeah, yeah he was great. Yeah. And I, I agree with Jonathan. I also really love Bumble Boogie and Pickles Bill. I, 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 I don't think I hated Pickles Bill as much as he did, though. I, I, Pickles Bill wasn't bad, but, <laughs> uh, but Little Toots was sort of formulaic, too formulaic for me. And, and the one about that boat and, uh, and the trees, I'm sorry, Jonathan, the trees is probably my least favorite one. It's like that, that one, (laughs) (laughs) it was, it was, uh, it was interesting, but like it was sort of overshadowed by the, how great all the other segments were for me. Uh, But, but, but overall though, I thought it was a really surprisingly strong, film all of all and Johnny Appleseed too Johnny Appleseed I liked too like um, they were all well told stories they were pretty entertaining and it's like probably like my third favorite of the the war era was probably behind like three caballeros and and something else which I'll get to when we when we rank these later but (laughs) but yeah I liked it I think for me when I've watched through melody time and make my music I feel like between the two of them, if you mix them up, there's one really great film and one really terrible film. Oh. And I wish that we That's could like true. pick and choose segments ah. to put together our own versions. Oh man. And just release way out of Oh yeah, if we if we took all of the our favorite segments from Make My Music and all our favorite segments from Ellie Time and put them together into one movie, we could create, we could make something really like way better than both of them probably. <laughs> yeah. Because tonally none of the shorts really mesh well. Like even the ones that I like, like I love Trees and I love Blame It on the Samba. They do not go well together. Uh, <laughs> they're to- they're total, total oh, opposites. It's so weird that they're two parts of the same movie. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the, the they they needed they needed somebody mixing up and picking and choosing a little better which short was going to go in which movie. Yeah, yeah, you know what? You're right about that because when I was watching Make My Music, there was like the Make My Music is made up of a lot of cartoony comedies like Kick of the Bat it's also made up of, of a lot of artsy like mockish stuff in my opinion at least and, and some serious like dramatic stuff like like the Blue Bayou and it was and noticeably it blended not very smoothly at least that's what I think mm-hmm I'm trying to think what how I would how I would want to put them together. Because you you could you could put something together like with the not the I I want to call them the historical segments, but they're not like really historical, like Pecos Bill and Johnny Appleseed, where they're not like real stories. Johnny Appleseed is kind of real, but he's also kind of a myth. Yeah, so you could you could put together something like that, and you like Casey at the back could go in there. Then you could do something with the more highbrow stuff too. Yeah, 
And, you know what? If you're going to rearrange that movie, as, as long as you keep uh, the whale who wanted to sing at the Met, I'm down. Oh, yeah. That's got to be in, in my favorite one yeah. as well. Like, I think we all agree. That, that short was so weird, but I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the one thing we all agree on, that that one was really good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I love how at the um, it's not very well remembered the short, but at the uh, Disney Magic Kingdom here at the Phil in Disney's Philhar Magic, uh, when you go into the building, there's um like a lot of posters of different characters, and one of them is the whale. So, wow, mm. yeah, some some representation there. Surprised by that a little bit, but that's great. Well, from there we can move on to the final official film in the lineup which is the adventures of ichabod and mr toad which is another two-story film and to me i think it should be called the adventures of mr toad and ichabod crane because the, the movie starts <laughs> with the wind and the willows yeah it's, it's very annoying <laughs> and i expect it to be starting with ichabod right i guess it's just for alphabetical <laughs> maybe i don't know but yeah, this one is one that I I did not see as a kid. I don't think I even watched the whole thing until probably when I did my podcast episode on it. So the Wind in the Willows segment, I did not see at all until then. The Adventures of Ichabod Crane, I, I know I saw it, but I don't know when I would have seen it. I, I know I saw it as a kid at some point maybe once or twice but it's not one that was like one that stuck with me one that i rewatched all the time so i don't really have any nostalgia for it and then watching it as an adult i i don't even i, I don't really even like it because ichabod crane is not a likable uh, character yeah. and i i kind of thought he was going to be a more sympathetic character and he really was not <laughs> so I I I still like the film and I really like The Wind in the Willows but my my thing is I want I think that there are two good full-length films here if they had made them into full-length films and they didn't they cut out too much of both of the stories to make good movies and so we get two okay movies Wind in the Willows to me though is much better than Ichabod Crane Sleepy Hollow I really like The Wind in the Willows but I wish it were longer. They they cut out too much. I'm glad you said that because this is my favorite of the the six um, package films, and people or most people I talk to are shocked when I say that I prefer the Wind in the Willows segment of this more than they come on Craig. So that <laughs> someone else who thinks like me, I love the the Wind in the Willows segment, and again, I also agree that it shouldn't have been longer. And I know that was the plan. Disney was intending to make a feature length film before they cut it to uh, you know production reasons and cost reasons to make this package film. But yeah, I love this segment. I like. I I think had this been a full length film, it would be one of my favorite Disney films of all time. Mm -hmm. And like I. Maybe it's just a story, but uh, of Wind in the Willows. But I, I think the way Disney handled it, um, I love it a lot. And Ichabod Korean, I can never really get into. Um, I, I love Bing Crosby singing. I'm a big Crosby mm -hmm. fan, but um, yeah, Ichabod just not like looking. No, no one in that. You no, know, none of the characters are particularly quote unquote good characters. They're all they all have some level of deceitfulness to them. 
And um, yeah, I didn't find it scary really. And, but I know mm-hmm. most people when I say this, they're like, "Oh no, they can buy cream. This is the, the like the best segment ever." And they they think when the wheels are boring, but not for me. Okay, I'm gonna diverge a little from both of you because I'm go- I'm about to say that Ichabod Crane was better than Wind of the Willows, uh, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I I actually this movie might be my favorite of the entire package feature wartime era because okay so i actually really liked wind of the willows so don't get me wrong i liked wind of the willows that was that one i really loved too it was like both wind in the willows and legend nice. of sleepy hollow were were really well done funny entertaining although yeah i really like uh, mr toad and like Mole and, and Rat and, and Badger and, and, and Winky and all those characters. It was a great story. Oh, Winky. 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 <laughs> Winky yeah, also, also, <laughs> yeah, I, also the weasels are in that. It's like, I first saw those weasels in Who Framed Roger Rabbit and I didn't know they originated in this, but that, there you go. Not to mention um, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mickey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Mickey's Christmas Carol. Before Roger Rabbit, they were Mickey's Christmas Carol. You're right. I forgot about that. But yeah, Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, I really like this one. Like, like, like you said, Ichabod was. <laughs> I noticed this when I watched this as an adult. Yeah, Ichabod Crane is not a respectable person at all. He was only trying to woo like Katrina Van Tessel because he wanted in on her fortune or something like that. It was like some shallow reason. And like, mm-hmm. and although I, I will say though that he, I, something bad does happen to Ichabod Crane at the end of this movie. So he does sort of have a little bit of comeuppance that if that's worth anything like, mm-hmm. but, which speaking of which, that final segment in the movie where the headless horseman is chasing him, I that's primarily the reason why I love that segment so much because that was really well done. And like it was mm-hmm. animated by my favorite Disney animator, Wolfgang Rhythm, and he is the animator who went on to become a director and he's really good at staging action scenes and also funny action scenes. He can tell jokes and create suspense at the same time. And the, that his work was totally apparent in like the segment uh, with the headless horseman because that was a really suspenseful scene well animated well staged the fun scene and with a lot of hilarious gags and that's probably the highlight for me of the entire like uh package feature era because i just really love that segment not to try to overshadow wind in the willows because i thought that was really well done too but but overall I like I, this. This entire movie was my favorite. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't. Disney hasn't said, you know what? Live action remake of Mickey Mouse Crane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I I don't I don't know. Well, I could see that being something that could have potential, but then also, it would. I don't. I can't see it being like something that kids would want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be hard to market it to them. Kind of, kind of like, 
mean, you're talking about the Sleepy Hollow segment, which they have made movies and TV shows even about. Like they they've done that before, and mm-hmm. but those were never really marketed as kids. Yeah, oh, yeah, I forgot there was a TV show about this. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah, few there, years but, ago. but the only other kids version that I can think of right now is Wishbone. Which oh, I, yeah. that that's my main exposure to the story oh, yeah. was the Wishbone adaptation. Yeah, yeah. Wishbone. Hey, Jonathan, did you have Disney Channel growing up? No, you didn't. Okay, because I was no. okay. I was thinking that maybe I was trying to figure out when you said that you remembered watching the Ichabod Crane segment, but you don't remember where. I was thinking if you had Disney Channel, maybe that was it. Because I remember you said when you said that you watched it as a kid, you don't remember where. I completely felt the same way. I remember watching it as a kid. I didn't remember where, but I did have Disney Channel when I grew up, and that was probably where I saw it. I don't know where you saw it, though. <laughs> That's still a mystery, I guess. The closest I had was I had an uncle who had Disney Channel, and at night, he would put in a VHS tape and hit record, and then whatever recorded, he would give to me. So I got a lot of old stuff, so it could have been on one of those tapes. Because ah, that's how I saw a lot of old Disney movies. Yeah. But with those tapes, a lot, most of them I watched and rewatched. So if it was on there, I either just did not care at all and didn't rewatch it. <laughs> or, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, because I only watched it maybe once or twice. So okay. that's why I kind of think it wasn't that. Just because I did watch and rewatch those tapes, but who knows? Maybe I just really didn't care about it, and it was that's how I <laughs> saw it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Like I, my family sort of did the same thing. With, uh, they recorded movies that aired on Disney Channel, and then we owned the tape. Like that was how we watched The Rescuers Down Under. We didn't own the VHS of The Rescuers Down Under. We owned a recording of the rescuers down under airing on Disney mm-hmm. channel. And that was how we rewatched that one over and over as a kid. Yeah. I had the same thing with the Lion King, except it wasn't, we didn't have Disney channel. I think it, it aired on like ABC, like the ABC family night. And then we taped it and that's how I watched it. <laughs> oh, so that means you had commercials? But yeah, but I think my mom skipped them. <laughs> she she okay. uh, skipped over the commercials. So. Oh, okay. Because I was about to say, you get a version without the commercials, definitely. I think she she skipped the Be Prepared song, so like I don't think I had that actually. Ah, so I no. When, when I, what, I don't know when I learned of Be Prepared for the first time. It's like my favorite <laughs> song of the movie. Yeah, was I uh, to Kenny Fuller like tonight? One, one of those songs she skipped, but I can't touch one. Uh, so, so, so you like, could have completely discovered Be Prepared like later in life and you didn't even know it was there? Is that what it was? Probably. But I don't uh, remember that. Wow. Uh, but I was going to say, um, yeah, Wind in the Willows was, I watched that growing up separately as its own short, because I guess maybe Disney released the VHS with just that or something. But I remember seeing that short a lot growing up. I haven't seen Nickelodeon Crane much. Yeah. Yeah, they did that a lot. They released the segment separately on VHS outside of the context of the movies. That was actually how I saw Mickey and the Beanstalk. I don't know if any of you owned Mickey and the Beanstalk as a as a kid, but like we had a version of that movie where Ludwig von Drake was narrating instead of Ed Goldberg, and and I think that was a segment they got from the Wonderful World of Disney that they put on VHS. But that was the version that we had. That was that was probably what I saw too. I don't remember. 
Ludwig von Drake, but I remember that segment alone. From what I've read, there's a there's like at least three different versions of of the Mickey and the Beanstalk segment. I think, if I'm remembering right, there was a Ludwig von Drake one. I want to say there was one narrated by Sterling Holloway, and then probably the most bizarrely, if I'm remembering the correct segment, was there was one made in the '80s with Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop. Oh my God! I need to look this. I've I've looked I've looked everywhere for it. I cannot find it. It probably uh, oh aired like once. Wow! I didn't even know that. Carrie Lewis and Lamb Chop. Okay. Oh my God! I wish I could see that. Yeah. Let me let me make sure just so I, if because there's a couple different shorts in some of these that have been cut out and repackaged, but I'm pretty sure this is the one that was aired on Disney Channel. And I'm pretty sure that Sherry Lewis is the one who. So it, it looks like it was on an episode of the of the TV show The Mouse Factory, which didn't last too long. And I oh. guess that's the version that Sherry Lewis was on. Okay, and uh, it was the '70s, not the '80s. The, the '70s, right? The Mouse Factory came on the '70s, right? Okay, I heard of The Mouse Factory, but I didn't. I never watched that, and I I don't know how to watch that. I don't know where it's available, but but I heard of that. So, okay, that's interesting, because that show did have a lot of guest stars, so I wouldn't be surprised if Sherry Lewis was on that. Yeah, there's IMDb page I'm looking at right now. That would be one of the things that I wish that they would put on Disney+. Plus. There's so many old Disney TV shows Uh, that I would love to see. Yeah. That there's just no way to watch them. That would be a perfect thing to put on Disney+. Plus. Nah, we need more Ice Age. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I I agree. Yeah, they, that was one of my favorite things about Disney Plus was that oh maybe they'll release a lot of old Disney stuff that they haven't released in a long time and they've yet to release a lot of stuff. I was hoping they would release like like I want them to release everything from the vault. So I want to see the Mouse Factory. I want to see Zorro. I want to see Mickey Mouse Club. I want them to release uh, the, the Wonderful World of Disney. Like I I want them to have all of them. I hope I hope they eventually get them. Like we we Disney historians, we want one thing, and then the Disney executives <laughs> want something else. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a feeling that part of their hesitation is the fact that people think that things need to be totally pristine and cleaned up and remastered. And I don't care. I just want to see it. I, like, if there's some TV <laughs> grain, I don't care. Yeah. Oh, oh. I, you know, I, I watched the entire, like, series run, all, like, I think 16 episodes of the Alvin show. I don't know if you remember what the Alvin show is. Yeah, it was the, the uh, first Alvin time. Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Alvin and the Chipmunks animated series that came on the 60s. I watched all, like, 16 episodes of that. I think it was 16. Um, and they were very grainy. Like they had, like, you could tell it was not in good shape. There was like commercials interrupted it sometimes, but like I watched it anyway, because I just wanted to see all those episodes and I, and I didn't care. And I wouldn't and I know that they probably wouldn't release shows like that on Disney because Disney is trying to be all pristine and standard and stuff like that. But like, I literally, I, I, all I want to see is the show. I don't care how it's presented. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, getting back to the movies that we were actually talking about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, 
with all the remakes that they're doing, like they call them live action remakes, but the ones with animals, they're not. Like Lion King is not a live action remake. Yeah, so if they're gonna do a <laughs> if they're gonna do a quote unquote live action remake, I would say they should do the Wind in the Willows. Like actually go back and tell the full story. Like uh, make make it an actual good film because there's potential there and I think that in the right hands somebody could do a really good job with that. I personally wouldn't want that just because I, I we've had live action Wind in the Willow theatrical yeah. films before, but I don't think we've ever had a full length theatrical animated Wind in the Willows before. So that's kind of what I'm holding it for. Well, what I'm what I'm saying is they're they're going to call it live action, but oh, yeah, it's yeah, not going to be live not, action. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it would be kind of ridiculous for them to call it live action if when we're seeing a, like a frog wearing a suit walking around, like <laughs> that that would be ridiculous. I agree. Wow, I, I just want to see the B-roll right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, if if I remember correctly, there was a a, a remake of The Wind in the Willows planned for Disney if like maybe like 10 years ago or so and Guillermo del Toro was involved but then um, they started giving him ideas like they wanted Toad to be like cool and on a skateboard and saying things like radical no, dude and stuff like that and then no, Guillermo was like no. it was it was it was a pleasure working with you <laughs> oh my god they wanted Guillermo del Toro to make a movie about a skateboarding frog Oh my god! Get out of here! <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> oh my god! The guy who directed Pan's Labyrinth. Okay, wow. Pleasure with you, and then he just yeeted out that door. <laughs> if I'm using that word correctly. God. Thank God that didn't happen. Yeah, as much as I would like them to actually do a version, I don't want that. I want like something faithful to the book. Wind in the Willows is something I don't think you can modernize. Where if you do make it no. modern, it it no. like it take it's just pointless if you modernize it. No, it's got to be set in the time period that the book is set. Fully agree. Yes, don't modernize it to keep it in the in that very specific time. Hmm. Well, I would like to like go through and rank these, but before we do, there was a few other movies that came out during this time period that aren't really counted among the war era films, but I think they're still worth talking about because they're still at least semi-animated, like for a couple of them, at, le at least half of the film is animated. We have Victory Through Air Power, Song of the South, and So Dear to My Heart, and Victory Through Air Power, it's probably one of the most f completely forgotten about Disney films, like mm -hmm. even more so than Saludos Amigos, because it's not really even a story. It's like, like a documentary. It is based on a book, but it's based on a book about somebody's idea of how best they could win World War II. Right. And it was kind of like a passion project for Disney. Like, we've got to get the word out about this book. Like, they've got it. People have got to know. Yeah, and that's how that came to be. But it's it's not counted among the official animated canon, and yeah, it's like the most forgotten Disney animated film. 
Yeah, so uh, Victoria Career Power, he, he writes, it, it, it's, a, it's a documentary pretty much. It's, it's a guy, I've seen it years ago, just one of the scientists, I weren't judge if his name, he's talking about the strategies of the book and then there are animated segments that animate you know the different strategies mentioned in the book and that's pretty much the movie if i remember correctly and i do remember reading that it was brought to the attention of fdr either by churchill or by someone else but he they said you know hey you should check this out and people want to say maybe fdr got ideas from that movie and how to win the war but i don't really think so but um, it, it it is something yeah victory through air power was uh different from every other animated film disney ever made this was an animated documentary they didn't make animated documentaries a lot like but it was it was interesting it wasn't like it actually wasn't that bad a movie it was it was kind of entertaining it, uh, mm-hmm. for what it was tried to do it wasn't bad but, but I, I totally had no way of watching it or knowing of its existence really until like i like a long time i never heard of this as a kid but i watched it because it was part of the walt disney treasures dvd collection like in the the war theme DVD that had all the war cartoons on it, and this was one of the one of the discs had this movie, and so I watched it. Then that was fairly recently, probably like a year years ago, in that when I finally watched it. And yeah, yeah well, well, what what can you what can you say about this movie? It was it, was, it, it did what it set out to do. It was like it's like Franklin Roosevelt and Winston Churchill liked it. Like, so that was something it was like, you know, they, a lot of people thought it was successful on what, on the ideas that it was trying to convey. And it was a very era specific movie. Cause it's like, it, there's no real reason to think about it anymore. Other than that's just for like a historical mm-hmm. curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no reason at all. It should be considered amongst the canon. It, it is a documentary in its essence. Mm-hmm. And, it's it's more i don't know you could put it you could put it amongst like you know animated training films or something like that it's more kind of in that camp it's not it's not entertainment it's not yeah it's not hey this is coming to theaters this weekend let's go take the family out and see it if someone if somebody asked me if they could include victory through air power air power in the like canon i would say no i would i would i agree that they that they shouldn't include it it's, it's not, it doesn't really count i don't think it's 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 not an entertainment film it's like it's something that i felt like they had to make like disney wanted to make it because of the situation they were in it wasn't it, the, the purpose behind it was sort of different it's like it's so it sort of it stands out like a sore thumb too much yeah it's 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 like a persuasive essay on video yeah it's definitely a product of its time and it's interesting for what it is but it's kind of for at least for me like a one and done thing like i watched it the one time for the podcast and i probably won't watch it again yeah yeah i saw it like 
10 years ago and I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I literally, I don't see myself watching it again. It was, it was, I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't like, Oh, let's uh, gather around the TV and watch victory through air power. It's not, <laughs> it's not like, like that kind of thing where you have to revisit it. Really. Honey, I got the great idea for a date night movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Brilliant. Brilliant idea. Oh, I love this part. He's going to point to the map with his pointer. Uh, <laughs> no, there was a, there was like a, a scene in that movie with an eagle fighting an octopus or something that was supposed to like represent like Amer- America against Japan or something like that. So like that. I was just going to say, my favorite character, it's the octopus. <laughs> <laughs> there were animated characters in it, so it wasn't completely like boring. It wasn't bad, but we needed more songs. We needed more songs. <laughs> we needed more songs. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting Franklin for the musical. Roosevelt watched this movie. <laughs> so I, I don't know why Franklin Roosevelt liked it if there were no musical numbers. Like Yankee Doodle Dandy had musical numbers. Disney, if you want to remake a movie, this is the one for you. No, God, no, no. <laughs> Now, this one needs to be buried in the vault forever. I don't care about this one. I think if there's one live-action remake that were completely safe from a remake, it would be Victory Through Air Power. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I bet. Never say those words, completely safe. <laughs> Actually, the, there's another one we're completely safe from. The next one we're going to talk about, Song of the South. I don't uh, think they'll ever yeah. do a, a yeah. live-action remake of that either. Again. <laughs> You're totally right about that. That would be interesting. I don't know if someone was like, you know what, I'm going to make a, a more a less racist adaptation of Fuckers' stories. Less racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, no. Have they learned nothing? They just need to, they do not need to touch this story. It did not go well the first time. <laughs> I, I don't think they will be yeah. touching it. They won't even let us watch this one legally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they do what they want to bring up the headache of people asking them, when are you going to release the original again? Because that's what's going to happen if they remake it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> I, I guess the only thing with me is like, like if, you know, they already have these um, disclaimers on other movies, Dumbo and Peter Pan and stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, they right. mention, you know, you mentioned all these disclaimers of, you know, racist or offensive or colorful um, material or whatever. I'm, I'm wondering if would they go that far and do that with Song of the South? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of sad that the movie that with the song Zippity Doodah is so like controversial because it's like it's. Yeah, or, or, or Splash Splash Mountain, but I mean they're getting rid of that anyway, so they are getting rid of Splash Mountain, you're right. They're like they're in the middle of burying that one. So yeah. Oh well. I mean I do uh, own the Song of the South on D V D though, because I oh, nice. the reason why I own it is because it's not available anywhere online. And so I'm very happy that I own it, like because I can watch it and like judge for myself. Is this a good movie? Is it a bad movie? Yeah, like so I, I saw and and I, I actually did a whole episode about Song of the South with Jonathan and some other people and I said then that it was I actually thought it wasn't a bad movie it was actually pretty good like 
I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah, the outdated elements are noticeable, but yeah, it didn't ruin the story. It was like still well done, and James Askins is fantastic, like actor. Mm-hmm. So it was still entertaining to me. Yeah, it's one of those mixed bags. Yeah. It has a lot of good stuff in it, but all of the other stuff is kind of kind of overshadows the good stuff, and that's all anybody wants to talk about. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the animated segments with the rabbit and the fox and the bear were like my favorite parts. Those were those were really good, but everything else, yeah, then I like not not that memorable. Oh yeah, I was thinking if they made a movie just on you know those characters, I wonder how that would be received. Yeah, that could have potential, but that probably would just remind everybody of this one, and that's yeah. probably something they don't want. Yeah, Disney exactly. Plus, uh, original series. No, no. <laughs> adventures, <laughs> adventures of Bro Rap. Uh, no, they would never. Like they, like they really like. That I, you know, it's interesting. They said that they like. I don't know if they still feel this way. Years ago, they said that they wanted to release Song of the South in some way. They just didn't know how. Like, cause it was kind of tricky because it's like so, it's so controversial, and they don't know how the public will react to it. But like, I doubt they are going to do that anymore because they're they're they're. I feel like they're pretty much trying to move away from Song of the South right now. But but if you watch it and you can figure out how to watch it, it's actually not bad, in my opinion. The last one to talk about is So Dear to My Heart. This one is another nearly forgotten film. I don't think it's, at least as far as I know, it's still not available on Disney+. Plus. It is not. Um, and this one, I'm not really sure why. Like with Song of the South and Victory Through Our Power, it's kind of obvious why it's not on Disney+. Plus. But so dear to my heart, I haven't really been able to figure out why it's not there. I suppose maybe they're just saving it. I think there's, there's, there's probably not demand, I guess. Yeah, it's not really one that everybody's like clamoring for. Yeah. I suppose it probably will eventually end up there, because as far as I can tell, there's not really anything controversial about So Dear to My Heart. So Dear to My Heart, the Zack Snyder cut. that's funny that's funny yeah Yeah, did you see so dear to my heart mark i did yeah i um i do like it it's not a bad uh, movie um i think i gave it a b if i remember correctly it Uh, it's it's if you if you if, if i had to describe a movie that was americana um i would say so dear to my heart is the most Americana Disney movie there. Oh, yeah. There's a lot about the, mid, the Midwest and Midwest values. There's a lot of Christianity in it for um, yeah, probably the most religious Disney movie, I would say. Yeah. And, um, but I, I think it's a good film. I, I, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I feel the same way. It was like, you're right. It's very religious. It's like very Americana. It's like, it's almost like the most Disney, Disney film I've ever seen, actually, when you think about it. It's like, never thought about that way <laughs> yeah it kind of almost feels like is this is this like a movie about walt disney's childhood that's what it sort of felt like when i was watching it like it's like this feels very much like him this movie but yeah it wasn't bad it was just, it was pretty good like i don't know why it's not on disney plus i mean like you said it's no one's clamoring for it so it's not like it's, it'll be a big splash if it finally gets there or anything but like it, it and it's not even streaming anywhere it's available on amazon but it isn't streaming anywhere it's like 
So mm-hmm. it's so it's sort of weird that it, they don't have it because not like anyone else has it. And also, uh, some very similar. It, it, it's it's a lot of Disney movies are a little formulaic. This one I feel reminded me of Song of the South. It it reminded me of Mary Poppins. It sort of felt like it, it reminded a lot of things about it reminded me of like previous and forthcoming movies it was like it was so mm-hmm. like and, and and i did not watch this or even know about its existence as a kid so like i watched this movie way after i've seen mary poppins and so like it was even more noticeable but like it also is sort of uh, its story is sort of similar to charlotte's web i noticed a little bit too it's like a little charlotte's web mm-hmm. but Charlotte's Web came out in the 50s, so it came out before Charlotte's Web, so I guess maybe Charlotte's Web is a little bit like this, I should say, but it's the more accurate way of saying that, but but yeah, it's like a nice little story. It was like, I I was wondering if I was going to like it when I watched it. I mean, is this going to be too corny? Is this, am I going to enjoy this? It got better as we went along, though. It was actually really well done. Like, mm-hmm. I liked, I liked the third act better than the rest of the actors it actually it got better as it went along so i actually thought it was a good movie it was like probably i would give it like a b2 just like mark that's that's how i felt yeah i didn't get the uh, mary poppins some um, aspect of it but i would say pollyanna yeah, that reminded me of pollyanna yeah pollyanna yeah i could see that i the, yeah the reason why i mentioned mary poppins is because it just you know it's just a story about uh this uh, kid yeah and there's these animation segments in it too, and it's like a very nice family story. It's like cool, but like I guess you and me, I think about a lot of these movies are like that. But it feels like it's a formula. It's like oh, just in the type of humor, the comedy, the type of humor, and the type of drama, and the type of like sentimentality. It's like it just reminded me of a lot of other stuff. It had pretty good um, songs, if I remember well. There was a song that I used to sing a lot. I can't remember it now, but it was one of the songs with um, with the yeah. owl. But um, I don't remember it right oh, now. Wait, was, it the, was it the Stick to Ativity song? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Stick to Ativity. I can't remember how it goes. But something like yeah, that. me neither. Me neither. Like, I remember thinking that song was bad, though. Yeah, I remember... I mean, I remember this being at the library when I was a kid. I feel like maybe we checked it out once and I didn't remember it basically at all. So when I watched it for the podcast, it was pretty much fresh for me. Mm-hmm. So I think I watched it years and years ago, but it didn't stick with me. So it wasn't really a favorite, but I did enjoy it. Yeah. I kind of agree with you. It wasn't that memorable. It wasn't. It wasn't like special. That special or anything. It was just. It was just a movie. That's all. And then, then once it was over, that was it. Like, but, but it, but it wasn't that though. It was like, it was decent. Mm-hmm. And also, like, and you know, the other reason why this kind of reminds me of every other Disney movie is probably because Bobby Driscoll is in it, and and Luana <laughs> Luana Patton too. It's like, oh, it's new. Zim again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. She's been in, in at least three movies that we've talked about. She was in Fun and Fancy Free. She was the little girl with the birthday party. And she was in the Pego Spill segment for <laughs> Melody. Melody Time. <laughs> yeah. And Bobby Driscoll was in that one, too. Yeah, he was. The kids but... around the campfire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they, they had, like, a troop. Oh, and, and so- Song of the South. Yeah, and she was in Song of the South, too. They... 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow, four movies. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they were like the go-to kids during this time. They loved those kids. Yeah. The good old days of the uh, studio um, studio system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess to finish up this one, we can give our rankings. You want to go first, Eli, to rank from least favorite to most favorite. And if you want to include the ones that aren't officially part of the canon, you can. Yeah, I'll include the one, the three ones that aren't part of the like, package features, like official. I'll include those just for the hell of it. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, I would rank these from least favorite to most favorite. I would say definitely victory through air power. Uh, <laughs> then um, going up from worst to best, it would be Make Mine Music, Fun and Fancy Free, uh, Saludos Amigos, uh, So Dear to My Heart, Song of the South. And then the top three, my favorites, would be Melody Time, Three Caballeros, and The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Nice. Okay. What about you, Mark? So I'll just stick to the six, and I will go with the, I guess, fun and fancy free at the bottom, and then um, melody time, the three caballeros, saludos amigos, make my music, and then the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Okay, so we agree on okay. Ichabod and Mr. Toad. We agree on Ichabod and Mr. Toad. <laughs> we agree that's the best. <laughs> my mine is different. <laughs> Um, if I'm including the, the three extras, Victory Through Air Power, of course, is at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. Make Mine Music is my least favorite of all the regular ones. And then I guess I don't really have a preference one way or the other. I have Song of the South and So Dear to My Heart next. Uh, they're both kind of equal in entertainment value for me. They're just kind of... Yeah, that was a movie. <laughs> it was decent. Decent, but not one that I'm, like, definitely going to rewatch. Yeah. And then, going back to the package features, I have Fun and Fancy Free, and Ichabod and Mr. Toad, and Melody Time, and Saludos Amigos, and favorite would be Three Caballeros. And part of that probably is just my nostalgia, but I just, I really like the animation in that one. Yeah. And that one, I feel like I could probably rewatch about any time and be entertained you know what you know what adventures of Ichabod Mr. Toad and the three caballeros are both like my top favorites of that era and when we all three of us chose either one of those two films at the top so like we pretty much agree on those two being really good at least. Disney should hire us yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. I don't know how Mark felt about three coming out. I think he said he didn't like that one. That one. Yeah, but I also haven't seen many of these films in forever. So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched them since doing the podcast episodes, which I think I did all these last year. So it's been a while, but some of them are more memorable than others, and just. I'm ranking them based on thinking back what would I want to watch the most and that's how they ended up in the order that they are like from the ones that I would want to rewatch the most right now to the one that I would not want to rewatch <laughs> so yeah. yeah that's how I ended up with my ranking that's kind of how my ranking is too but I didn't plan for that that's just how it ended up 
Okay, well, I guess that will be all for our war era episode. Do you guys want to let people know where they can find you if they want more from you? Mark? Yeah, you can find me at my blogs, The Animation Commendation at theanimationcommendation.com. It's an animation theme blog where I post reviews, um, top 13 lists, and um, I also host a Wants to Be a Millionaire Animation Edition game show. And I have my second blog is My Live Action Disney Project at myliveactiondisneyproject.com, where I intend to watch and review every theatrically released and now Disney Plus released um, live action Disney film ever made. Okay. And Eli? Yeah, I also have a blog. Uh, it's called the Interta- Entertainment Junkie blog, and you can find that at ejunkieblog.com, where I talk about the history of film, television, video games, all kinds of different entertainments. And uh, I go into like a deep history of Hollywood and all kinds of stuff like that. But uh, also on Twitter, that's where I'm most active, where I really can nerd out with like my mutuals about the entertainment industry. And that is uh, at ejunkie2014 is my Twitter handle. So you can find me there and I'll send you the link to my blog if you find me on Twitter. And one thing I want to say, sorry, before we leave, um, if, if anyone listening wants to know more about the Disney war era films or just animation during that time or even the early years of animation, there was a, a book released last year, which I love a lot, and I try to recommend it. It's called Wild Minds, and it's about the American animation from like its beginnings to around the uh, 60s or so, and it takes a look at all the big players in in that in that um, field from Winsor McKay to Otto Mesmer and, you know of course Walt Disney and um, it's just a lot about not just history but a lot of the personalities of the people in question and you know uh, stories that um, happen between them and whatnot and for someone who's trying to get into that I think it's a pretty good first book to um, get into so if you're interested in that uh, check it out it's called wild minds and it's written by reed mittenbuller i might have mispronounced that but you could google it okay okay i've not heard of that but it sounds like it would be interesting i might have to look into that yeah i highly recommend it i love reading about the history of animation like so i've read a lot of stuff but i haven't read that one yet so i'm definitely going to check that out wild minds i remember that yeah, it's pretty good. It came out last year or 2020, one, one of the two. And um, like, like, I, like, I don't think it should be your only you know, animation book, but I think it's a pretty good first one. Okay, well, I guess that will be all for this episode. So we will see you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Disney Movie Marathon. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to our YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well, and if you want more content from us, check out one of the other podcasts in the iHeartMovies podcast network, or check out my brand new Patreon. My link tree, as well as any other relevant links, will be in the description. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.